This episode of Left of Field is partnered with Surf Paints, providing paint pens and everything else needed to paint and draw on your surfboard. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. Hello and welcome to the Left of Field podcast. Like always, I'm Danny Kavanagh and today I'm actually going to be joined by Kira Yule. Now she's a Perth jockey. Kira has experienced the ups and downs of thoroughbred racing, but throughout her journey, she has never lost her passion for riding. She's a Bunbury girl who grew up around horses, took to the sport and quickly she jumped to the very top. But a fall and some losses along the way, her path got a little bit hazy. She's back in the saddle and she is absolutely killing it at the moment. I'm very excited for you guys to hear this chat. She's a great woman. So enough from me. Let's just get straight into it. And I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Kira, and welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Yeah, good, thank you. That's good. Now, you've actually just finished track work for the morning. Yeah, yeah. So I started at work with a few for different trainers and then had to put some young ones through the barriers. So, yeah, just finished for the morning. Never any time off, 4 a.m. That's a very early start. Now, why don't we just get straight into it? You obviously have a big passion for horses. Was that something that you grew up with, with your family, or did that come a bit later on in life? No, I've always been around the horses. My dad's in the racing. Mum did a bit of the show horses when she was in her 20s and that. And once she had kids, stopped it. And then we all got involved in it as well. So I've always done pony club and eventing and things like that. And it, it, it led into becoming a jockey. And when did you decide then as a child that you really wanted to go from that kind of equestrian background into riding? And racing? Um, look, to be honest with you, I never actually wanted to be a jockey. You know, I wasn't someone who'd been brought up in a racing family and, and just wanted to be a jockey all my life. I, I enjoyed the races, but I, I, I didn't think I'd do it myself. But when I was about 16, I used to go into the track and help dad a little bit before school. And people used to always mention it to me. And then one day I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. And just took it step by step. One rule was I had to finish school, which I'm very grateful now that mum and dad made me do that, just for maturity reasons, really. And yeah, basically once I finished school, that's when I signed up as an apprentice. So you were from Bunbury and you were training down there. Do you remember the first professional race that you had as an apprentice? Yeah, it was early December. I just turned 18, so it was 2008. It was actually, it was at Pinjarra was my first race ride. And yeah, I do remember it quite well. I jumped from barrier one. It was on Fazlazan and it was from a Boss Warwick Bradshaw. And yeah, he put me on and he said, just, just look after yourself and have fun. It was a very overwhelming experience, your first one, but good to get your first one out of the way. And, and then, yeah, it's onwards and upwards from there, basically. Did you win? No, I didn't. No, she finished about midfield. I think it took me about 16 rides or 18 rides to have my first winner. But yeah, come a long way from then, that's for sure. Well, you were hooked from the the very beginning. Now, you mentioned you were told to look after yourself. Now, is it quite scary out there riding a horse and racing? For you guys looking in, it might seem scary, but for us, we're used to it. So, you know, you're traveling at a very fast speed. You've got 
split-second decisions to make out there. Yeah, on a live animal that can do whatever they really want, whether we're asking them not to or not, to be honest with you. And and we're racing very close together. So you, you've got to be on the ball. And, you know, the thing is, as I say, we're, we're out there all the time and we're in amongst them all the time. And it's a very fast sport. So you, you do get used to it. And I've always said that if I was scared doing it, then I wouldn't want to do it because you'd put someone else in danger as well. So... The more you do, the more you get used to it. Like anything, you know, it's like driving a race car. You know, same thing. You split second decisions, and you're going very fast. And to me, that would be very intimidating. So get used to what you're doing every day. Yeah, fair enough. And you mentioned it took you about sixteen races to get your first win. But once you did get a win as an apprentice, you kind of skyrocketed from there. How was that whole journey? Yeah, so I was really lucky to have a fantastic apprenticeship. Had some really good support from some very you know top trainers. Your apprenticeship's four years unless you ride a certain amount of winners faster than the four years you, you can finish it earlier, which I was lucky enough to do. Well, I say I was lucky enough to do. You know, it's a very good achievement to do that. But at the same time, you know, you're up with the big boys who've been riding for 15, 20 years after riding for three years. So it can catch up to you a little bit coming out of your apprenticeship. But I've had my highs and lows. You know, I, I flew through my apprenticeship. Uh, I had a race, quite a very bad race fall just as I came out of my apprenticeship, knocked me around. You know, then I had times where I thought about finishing up and you're a bit lost in the system but couldn't get my head around it. And, and then now I've just come back off another high of the season. So... I've been riding for 12 years now and, and you can be as high as high in this game and you can be as low as low and that's within one ride. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. You have been through a lot. Going back to your apprenticeship, can you maybe for the listeners out there who don't know the difference between being an apprentice and a senior jockey, could you kind of quickly explain that for us? Yeah, so basically there's three different areas. So you've got country, provincial and metro tracks. And you, you claim, so when you first sign up, you claim four kilos. So if someone puts me on, I take four kilos off. Then once you ride five winners in over the all three areas, you drop to three kilos. You've got to ride 20 winners in each area, then drop to two kilos, then to one and a half, then you lose your claim. So, so you've got to ride 20 winners to get to two kilos, then you've got to ride 50 winners, so another 30 to get to 50 to drop to one and a half, then you've got to ride 80 to outride claim altogether. So obviously there's a lot of country track, or a lot more country tracks. So you, you outride your country claim first, then provincial you've got your tracks like your Pinjarra and your, your Bunbury and Northern, and then city there's obviously only the two tracks. So that's obviously the hardest claim to outride. And so it's pretty impressive that you became the leading apprentice, beating some of you know Australia's current best jockeys how was that for you as also being a female in the sport yeah look as I say I was very lucky I sat on a lot of very good horses I was very privileged to ride for some fantastic trainers and yeah like it it just builds your confidence and you know it it does help you with the long run but you know it doesn't I thought you know you have a good apprenticeship and and it will make it easier when you are a senior, but you know what? It doesn't matter how good an apprenticeship you have, you still hit rock bottom and still have to try and push yourself out the other side. So it's a hard industry to explain. And for the listeners, it, yeah, they won't know the full detail, you know, not being involved because, yeah, it's a, it's a very different sport. It's a very tough sport. I, as a whole female male thing, I 
I'd like to say we're on an even playing field. You know, if we're given a lot of the correct opportunities that males are given, we can, you know, do the same and perform in the same way. So it's not 30 years ago where it was very male-dominated. And, you know, there are certainly people out there that probably don't like the females or vice versa. There's some people out there that probably don't like putting males on. So I just feel it's a very even playing field out there right now. But, yeah, I was very privileged and very thankful for the support I had as an apprentice and then again, you know, 10 years later down the track to be able to bounce back out and, and get back on a high. I'm very thankful for the support. Yeah, so earlier on your high would have been being the first female jockey to win a Perth Cup. Can you tell me that race in 2011, what was that feeling like? Yeah, it was very overwhelming. I went into the race, you know, she was paying double figures. So uh, she was racing very well, but, you know, she was, she was an outside chance. At that time, I had a really good carnival. So, again, I was on a high with my career as well. So I'd go out to ride a normal race, you know. Like, I'm lucky I wasn't someone like, I didn't get really, really nervous or anything like that. You just get more anxious for big races. You know, carnival time, it's, it's always a fantastic time of the year and, big crowds and being the Perth Cup. It's not the biggest race in WA. It's one that we all like to win, that's for sure. And obviously your momentum then was brought to a standstill with a fall you had in 2012 at Belmont Park. You had bleeding to the brain and a snapped ankle. What happened during that race? Yeah, um, I was coming around the home corner and then basically that's the end. That's like the last bit I sort of remember. I've from going by the film, I've clipped heels. Someone's come out underneath me and I've made contact with another horse, um, which has brought me down and I had one go over the top of me. It knocked me around that fall. I took a long time to realise how much it knocked me around. At first, you know, I was probably a little bit in denial. But, yeah, you know, I look back now and it, it really did knock me around, you know, um, confidence-wise. And, and it probably took me a little bit longer to recover than what you think. We all think we're unbreakable, but unfortunately we're not. But it's all part of the industry, part of the sport. And as I say, it's, it's just one of the lows in the sport. Um, unfortunately, falls are part of the game. And um, if you get through the other side and you retire and don't have one, then I'd say you're a very lucky person. But it's something we can't dwell on. And we I came out the other side and I'm still riding. So it's onwards from there. Now, you mentioned that the mental scars were probably the hardest thing to recover from. How long did it take you to get back in the saddle? Yeah, so I was back riding about four months later. When I first came back, I was a bit in denial. I was saying I was fine, I was fine, but then I was just making silly mistakes in races. And then I got suspended, I think it was like a few months later, and then that's when it probably started to wake me up that I got suspended because I of a silly ride and, and a silly mistake and just because I wasn't thinking straight. Uh, to be honest with you, I think it took me a good few years to get over it really because I also went through stages there where I was like, I, I wasn't getting a lot of rides and then that's when I went through a stage of where I didn't know whether I still wanted to ride. It's hard to explain really because at the time you don't really think about it and now I look back and as I say, I realised how much it, it probably did knock me around. But then at the same time, you know, there was probably other life situations that were going on as well that might have been knocking me around as well. You know, I didn't know whether I wanted to train. I didn't know whether I wanted to ride. And, yeah, I was at that stage of growing up and um, didn't know whether I wanted to travel or what I wanted to do. So I was probably in that lost stage of growing up as well, put it all together, and, yeah, at least came out the other side. Yeah, I bet going into an industry straight out of high school, you know, didn't give you a lot of time to figure it out. And you did decide to take some time 
away from the sport eventually and you did get into your dad's business. How was that experience with horses? Yeah, well, to be honest with you, I never actually, I never stopped riding. I've never, ever stopped race riding. I was working for Grant and Alana. I went to Melbourne for three months and then worked for Grant and Alana and Williams for six months to see the other side of it. The dad actually had a workout hurt herself, so I opted to go and help him with his business. It was the braking side of it, which I'd always played around with the braking and that to help him out, but I had never done it. To the, the next level, and it's very rewarding. Breaking, breaking can be very rewarding. It, it's very hard work. Uh, it can be very frustrating because you're teaching the horses the most important stage. You know, it, we're riding them for the first day. We're putting the saddle on them for the first day. We're teaching them the, all the basics, basically. It's like a kid growing up, I guess. If they're taught in a bad way at a young age, then it's going to keep going through until they're older. So it was definitely a different side to see of the racing industry, and it gives you a lot of it gives me a lot of respect for the people who do this area. I do enjoy it. You know, I'm not saying it's something I'll I'll do forever, and, and it can knock your body around a little bit, but. I do definitely enjoy it. But at the same time, as I say, I was still race riding and it kept me very fit. It's a completely different side to being a jockey, that's for sure. Are you sick and tired of your boring old surfboard? Are you maybe wanting to take it to the next level? Well, you need surf paints. That's right. These are paint pens that you can use to decorate, paint and draw on your surfboard. A local Esperance surfer a few years ago started this little business and it's the perfect thing if you're trying to add character to your boards, make it something of your own. Now, I'm no professional surfer. To be honest, I can't even stand up. But I really enjoyed getting these colored markers, giving it a go and drawing some cool art designs on my board. These pens work on anything from soft top boards to fiberglass boards. And while the focus is surfing, it can be applied to wood glass and ceramic surfaces. And today, as Surf Paints are offering all my listeners a 10% off your first purchase with them. So go to the website, Surf Paints, chuck in the code left of field. Get creative. And your racing really got back on track when you appointed a new manager. How's that relationship gone for you? Yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. So Daniel approached me about 18 months ago, a couple of years ago now probably, and said he wanted to give it a go. and. I was sort of had in the back of my mind I probably needed to get one. Sitting on the phone and ringing trainers isn't, it's never been my high point. And so if I couldn't give someone a go that hadn't been in the managing business, it was going to be someone like Daniel because we've got a very good relationship. I've known him forever. And yeah, he's like family to me. So he gave it a go. We thought we'd give it a month, you know, and, and if it doesn't work, you know, we can go back to square one. And But it's been going forward from there and, as I say, we've got an even stronger relationship than what we probably had before and certainly probably seen me go through some lows, seen me go through some highs and very lucky that we can communicate in a very strong way and our families both get along really well. So it's turned out to be a really nice relationship. And what has he done for you in the terms of wins and losses? How has the last you know year been? That last season was an amazing season, very overwhelming season. It's like my career best season in the saddle. It was more in the country than the city, but I think I had about 12 winners in the city, so one a month, which I was very happy with. So I, I did a lot of kilometres to get the results I got, but 
that doesn't bother me. You know, if I'm getting results and support, I don't, I don't really mind where I'm going. It sort of just takes a weight off my back. You know, him having to, he just does the chasing around, does the rigging, just does the middle work. You know, so when we do have a time to relax and chill out, and we don't have to worry about our phones, we don't have to be looking at fields all the time. And yeah, you know, I still communicate with my trainers a lot because I'm writing work for them, and and then I'll touch base with him. But there's just a lot of middle work. Or the fiddly stuff that we don't really have to worry about as such and and just gives us time to just take our mind off everything and just chill out. Yeah, and how many wins did you end up with then during the season? Oh, I think I had like just over 120. And so for this upcoming season, what is your goal? Is it more Oops. city races, winning them, or what would you like to take your professional racing career? Yeah, you know, I'd like to get more and more city winners, but I'd like to get more than last year would be fantastic. I'd love to hit the 100 winners for the season again. And that that was sort of last year. My goal was 50, and then I was like, let's go for 100. And so we, we got over 120 in the end. So it would be great to have a season like that again. But I'd definitely like to hit over 100 winners again for the season. It's not something that's easy to do. And at the moment, I'm I'm pretty on track. And, yeah, I just, I just really want to ride winners. I'm... I'm pretty critical on myself and um, I, I knock myself around a fair bit or I can knock myself around a fair bit when I'm not performing to where I think is my best. So, yeah, I think it's just the most important thing is to try and stay in the safe fit and stay in the right frame of mind head-wise and, and just, I just, I just want to just want to ride winners and, and keep the good relationships that I've got with my trainers, really. Now, the sport that you... A lot of people have different opinions. You've got the nut to the cup or you've got people who are absolutely in love with the sport. Can you tell me how are horses treated within the industry? I'll tell you right now that we look after horses better than we look after ourselves. Look, we love our animals and we love what they do for us and we are so appreciative of what they do for us. We don't like seeing things go wrong and... You know, I've seen people who you would not think would ever be in tears, be in tears over an animal. Look, they are an amazing animal and they're just a gorgeous animal to be around. And I've spent a lot of my life around them and I wouldn't change a thing. You know, they're they're just, yeah, they're they're an amazing animal. It doesn't matter whether they're on a racetrack, going over a jump, galloping down a polo cross field, what they're doing. They do what they do because they enjoy it. They love being out there. And so they are looked after, like, they they get ice, they get treated, they get fed amazing, you know, they get picked up after every day. There's, there's some very critical people out there and I'd love them to spend 24 hours or a week doing what we do to make sure these animals are in their best care, basically. In your opinion, do you think there's more we can do to give a better environment for these horses? You know, in the last few years, especially, say, the Melbourne Cup, I know it's highly publicised. That's probably why it causes so much controversy. But, you know, we have seen horses having to be put down. Is there more that needs to be done within the industry to look after the welfare of these animals? Look, they're always doing research and seeing if there are things that they can do to change the welfare. But to be honest with you, not a lot gets changed because... No, we bend over backwards for these animals. There's always research going on to, you know, a bit like humans um, with concussion, with injuring themselves and 
things like that. There's, there's always research going on to why things might happen. And, and as I say, we put a lot of money in, into research going into these animals. As I say, they, they are our pride of joy. Unfortunately, you comment about the Melbourne Cup. One comment I've got to say about that is it is the biggest race, like we all know, and there's just that much publicity. So people don't know about those incidents happening in other races because the publicity is not there. You know, it, and, and, then, and so straight away, Melbourne Cup Day, all of a sudden everyone cares about racing. You, you come, come to, I don't know, this Saturday, yeah, only half the people care about racing, or because because there's no there's not a big race happening, and and as I say, like, look, we bend over backwards for these horses, and if something gets hurt, we do everything in our power to fix them. Uh, that we rehome them, you know, and there's research going into rehoming, there's money going into rehoming, and yeah, there's just there's so much put out into into these animals. But as I say, they do so much for us and, and we'll do so much for them because, yes, yeah, they, they mean the world to us, basically. You can definitely hear your passion in your voice for these animals. Now, obviously, horse riding has been a big part of your life from the very beginning, but who are you away from the track? <laughs> it's a funny question because I'm not away from it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Um, yeah, basically, like, I, well, I like to, I'm, I'm a pretty social person and stuff like that, but so, yeah, I just try and have my own space when I'm away from the track. I don't actually do a lot outside of racing. When I was at school, I, I did a little bit of rowing. I play a little bit of basketball and do a little bit of hockey. But uh, since I've been riding, basically, yeah, it's it's pretty full on. And then um, when we've got our time to ourselves, we try and have our time to ourselves. And, and, yeah, when we can have a social weekend, we have a social weekend. But, yeah, it's a pretty full-on sport. It's very different hours we work and... You, know, you you might go a couple of weeks straight and not have a day off, but it's all part of it and we won't complain about it because uh, we love what we do. What is your favourite part of racing? Yeah, we all love winning. <laughs> the thrill of winning. Um, I love seeing the happiness um, of the owners and trainers around me. There's nothing better than when you come in and you have a, a bunch of owners and a trainer that is just, so thankful for what you have just done and for the results. Um, yeah, I just I just love seeing the happiness that racing can bring to people. Lovely. And so when is your next race? When can we all see you back out on the track? I've got two rides tomorrow. I've actually taken Sunday off. And then uh, next week I'll be riding Wednesday, Wednesday Thursday. Um, but I'll find that out this afternoon. Um what horses and that I have for Wednesday, Thursday next week. And yeah, so basically tomorrow's one of the next races. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me today. I really liked that insight into your story and your industry. You're a very resilient young, young woman. So congratulations. And hopefully we get another amazing season out of you. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Thank you, Kira, and a big thank you to you for getting through another episode of the Left of Field podcast. If you haven't already, maybe go back to last week's episode where I chat to Daniel Cripps. That's actually Kira's manager. He's a professional punter, so we dive into that industry. And if there's anyone else that you think I should chat to and any particular athlete or industry I should have a look at, please 
get in touch and let me know. I would love to get your feedback. If not, uh, have a great week and I will be back again next week. And there's a lot of exciting things happening in the Left of Field community. So stay tuned.